Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This podcast is brought to you by Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Midland Radio USA, your leader in overlanding and off-road communications. Join the brigade at truckbrigade.com, the best of the best for off-road and overlanding gear. Rigid Industries Off-Road Lighting, Own the Night with Rigid. Radar Tires, an active supporter of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation and manufactured carbon neutral since 2013. And Tough Stuff Overland, providing high quality rooftop tents, awnings, accessories, racks, and more. Welcome to the Anderson Overland Podcast. All right, welcome back to yet another great, uh, lovely episode today. I have my buddy Patrick from Recoil Off Grid Magazine with me today. And uh, man, I've been excited to have you and been thinking about the the type of conversation we, we're going to have today and just the, the different subjects. I'm super excited about it. And um, thank you for being here, brother. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Joey. Yeah, man. I'm stoked. And uh I don't know if it's uh, crazy windy where you guys are down south of Phoenix, but man, it's crazy up here today. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah, I was working on the truck yesterday and stuff was blowing around in my garage and everything <laughs> yeah. while I was trying to work on it. Yeah, it's probably, I don't know, 40, 50 mile an hour gusts out there uh, yep. out where we're at. And uh, I was just driving home from from town and it was nuts, man. Everybody's just driving slow and it's just crazy out there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, glad to be home and glad to, to be on online with you and, and um, tell people sure. who you are and where you're from, where you came from, your background and all that good stuff. Yeah. So my name is Patrick McCarthy. I am the editor in chief of Recoil Off-Grid Magazine. Uh, been doing that for coming up on 10 years now, uh, which I guess is kind of a little bit of an outlier in this industry, you know, print media and all that uh, tends to have a lot of turnover. So I'm very blessed and fortunate to uh, continue working for the same publication for as long as I have um, really feels like I've had an opportunity to kind of make my mark on it, which is cool. Um, yeah. So original background, I started out, um, I went to school for essentially like uh, print oriented graphic design, wanted to be like an art director, um, always had like an eye for 
uh, photography and, you know, enjoyed creative uh, pursuits. And uh, so I started doing that, uh, you know, graphic design on the side, did some freelance work, did an internship, that kind of thing, and found that um, working with some clients was really difficult. I had a couple of people rip me off and things like that. And oh, man. Uh, kind of realized that maybe that wasn't the direction I wanted to take my life and wasn't really sure where to go from there. But um, always enjoyed uh, cars, I, like ever since I was a little kid. Um, I, I was reading like Road and Track and Car and Driver magazines yeah. <laughs> before I could like really read the articles. I was just looking at all the cool photos and like, oh, Dodge Viper and Toyota Supra and all this. Yeah, cool like what is it like cars. old like Motor Trend and all that like yep, back in the yep. day? Heck yeah, yeah. So I, I was, uh, you know, always saw automotive magazines and thought like, man, that would be the absolute coolest job in the world is to work for an automotive magazine. Yeah. And, uh, strangely enough, you know, life works out that way sometimes. So, um, I had a, a, a family member who played on a softball team with this guy who kept showing up to softball games in like custom badass custom trucks. Uh, and so he started talking to him and he was like, Hey, like, what's your story? Like, why do you have all these nice trucks? And he said, Oh, I'm the editor of this magazine called trucking. And so, uh, Oh yeah. I remember that magazine. Yeah. 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 And so, so he was the editor of trucking magazine. And, um, so this family member starts talking to him and he's like, Hey, I like, I know this, uh, this guy, Patrick, who, um, loves automotive photography has always been into like car magazines, stuff like that. And he's kind of uh looking around for for new work right now like i'd love to connect you with him and so uh that turned into a phone call uh dan ward was his name the editor of trucking and uh so we kind of hit it off and he said hey man you want to do some like freelance work a little bit from time to time i can't make you any promises but you know chip in an article here and there i was like yeah absolutely that's cool and so i saw like this little glimmer of hope like yeah i could do what i've always <laughs> wanted to do and work for an automotive magazine Heck yeah. And uh, so I I hustled my ass off and tried to uh, produce as much good content as I could, like just driving around and, you know, uh, taking photos of trucks that I saw and doing like little uh, at first it was like articles that were about vehicles that I didn't even have. Like I didn't have contact with the owner. I would just take a photo of a truck and be like, <laughs> here's the article that I would write about this if I were writing it for print, just to show that I could do it. Yeah. And eventually that turned into actual uh, freelance where he would uh, send me like a write up, like a, a build sheet on a truck and some photos. And then I would write the article. Uh, and then eventually after, I think it was probably a year and a half or so of doing that, uh, a full-time opportunity opened up as associate editor of trucking. So I took that position uh, with at the, at the time the company was uh, Source Interlink Media that owned also Motor Trend, Hot Rod Magazine, a couple other like really big uh, automotive publications out mm -hmm. in California. Um, and so I worked out in California as associate editor for Truckin' for um, about two years, a little over two years. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, print media is constantly changing. And so they had a big restructuring of the company. They laid off like 90 people. Oh man! Uh, because I was one of the newest hires, I ended up getting oh, laid off. No, and so I was like, "Oh well, that's the end of my, you know, that's the end of my road. That's the end of the dream, right there. I'm gonna have to go find something else to do and get a real job, right?" Right. Um, it was especially tough because, like, I was just about to get married and oh. you know, life stuff, and so I was just like kind of crushed by that. But uh, it ended up working out in the long run again because uh, one of the guys who I was uh, 
in a cubicle next to was Patrick Vong. Patrick Vong was the first editor of Off Grid Magazine when that started in uh, 2013. Mm -hmm. And so he and I kind of stayed in touch. I had helped him with some like car stuff for his personal car that he was having like maintenance issues with and things like that. (laughs) And so we had, we had kind of stayed friends and uh, he reached out to me and said, Hey man, you want to do some freelance work on the side? Again, it was like nothing solid, but just write an article here and there. Uh, I can kick you stuff from time to time. And then that turned into, Hey, we're, uh, we're going to launch a website for off grid magazine. And like, I'd love to have you be the, uh, the web editor. And so that turned into a full-time thing. Uh, came back as a web editor, uh, essentially under a contract, but full-time, uh, for off grid did that for, uh, officially my title was, uh, was a web editor for like eight years. Um, and then, uh, more recently took over as editor in chief of off grid. Wow. That's super yeah. cool, man. Yeah. I have a huge background in web, web editing and, and, uh, programming as well. I had a, a graphic design and web development firm for a lot of years and we did all the big ski resorts in Southern California, mountain okay. high, bear mountain, snow summit, nice. snow Valley, and, uh, had some big contracts and, uh, and did that for a lot of years. So yeah, I, I, uh, I know how that contracting part of things go and the freelancing yep. and, oh man, what a, yeah, it's like what you're a ride. an employee, but not quite and all that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, been there, done that with that stuff. And, um, yeah, it, it was cool. It's, I, I'm really glad that I went through it as well. Cause now I have those skill sets to use on, you know, the things I'm doing now. And, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, back in the early two thousands when I was, you know, probably till about. 2012, I guess, is when I stopped doing that full time. Um, when I, I uh, got rid of my company and started doing other things, but uh, things have changed so much. You know, back then it was like PHP and yeah. you know, um, was it HTML5 and you yep. know, a couple other programming languages. Now, like you know, that stuff's like some of that stuff, is, you know, is obsolete. Now it's like you know, you do all these. Um, there's, I mean, gosh, I don't even know. Like now there's like WordPress and all this crazy, you know, these yeah. very easy to, to, uh, use, you know, for the, for the, um, for the lay person, obviously, you know, to build a website mm-hmm. now Wix and all these, you know, authoring, uh, platforms, but, um, it's so different than what it used to be, but you, you still can't get like a very great professional website unless you're yeah. doing it from scratch, you know, and, and doing it like what we used to do, you know? Um, but I remember back in the day we were developing this piece of software, our company to build websites with, and it just never really took off. We use it for a couple of clients and stuff, uh, a CMS system. And, uh, and now, you know, there's, you know, like I said, Wix and WordPress yeah. and all these other ones, you know, it's crazy how that blew up and how that kind of changed the industry. But, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely feel you and can relate on that, on that side of things, nice. <laughs> you know, how, uh, sometimes, you know, that's, that can be difficult, especially like, you know, super stressful, you know, I can't imagine trying to get married and having that happen to you. That's uh yeah, that's always a scary thing, but it may, you know, like you said, it worked out and everything, I, I'm a firm believer, everything happens for a reason. And, yep. um, yep. you know, I've had plenty of stuff like that happen to me over the years too. And you're like, man, you, you feel like, God, this is the most horrible thing. Like what the heck? And then you look back, you know, 10 years later, you look back and you're like, I'm so glad that happened because I wouldn't be yeah. where I'm at today without, you just don't see those things at the time, but definitely yeah. stressful <laughs> for sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm also a big believer that a lot of it comes back to your mindset. If you're willing to just say, well, I guess something bad happened, you know, I'm just going to have to move on as opposed to like, I'm going to use this to my advantage. I'm going to find a way to leverage this. I'm going to look for new opportunities. You yeah. have to have that like forward thinking, what's the next step mindset. Uh, yep. in order to bounce back from some of that stuff. 
Totally. Yeah. It's like, what is that saying? Uh, you know, you're, you're not learning unless you're failing, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, yeah. it's so true, you know, it's, it's hard to, to swallow at the time, but, um, that's awesome, man. That's cool. And we, we even have uh, camo hats on together too. Look at this. So we right. got a lot, a lot in common <laughs> and we've only been talking for like 10 minutes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us, um, you know, a little bit about recoil magazine and like what that magazine's about and kind of, um, how it sort of, uh, coincides with like the, you know, the off overlanding lifestyle sure yeah so uh recoil magazine which is our kind of like parent umbrella publication uh started out back in 2012 uh and then off grid recoil off grid is the, the full name basically was uh what's called uh special interest publication sip uh it's sort of like a you know here's an annual offshoot uh, spin-off of of our main publication that we do in a special area. And so mm. for Recoil, which is firearms publication, they saw a lot of people who were into firearms that were also into uh, emergency preparedness, into, you know, how do I um, survival adventure stuff and... and survive and things like that. And so yeah. it was more like the soft skills related to the firearms side of things. That's cool. And so um, Off-Grid started out as a once-a-year SIP, and then it was so successful that they said, okay, let's turn this into a quarterly, four issues a year. Mm. And then it became, okay, now it's bi-monthly, so six issues a year. And that's where it's stayed ever since then. Uh, wow. So 2013 through today. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, I, I actually have one sitting right in front of me. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I love... Uh, I love the quality of articles and like what you guys are putting out and, and also just like something as simple as just the, the look and feel of the magazine. Like you can just tell, like, you know, this is when you, I don't know, it's, you know, it's a product obviously, but when you mm -hmm. see that and you feel that tangible product too, you're like, okay, this is a legit company, a legit magazine. I'm going to read this, you know? Thanks man. Like I, yeah, I hate hard. when you, when you see these other, you know, magazine, you know, um, agencies and whatever, and they're just like, you know, cheap paper, cheap, you know, um, construction of the book and, yeah. you know, the magazine are just like, dude, this is like, I'm not going to, you know, read this. Like this looks totally like cheap and just, you know, whatever. But, sure. uh, I, I love our, how our you guys go been to, uh, to be more of like a coffee table type publication yeah. where, where yeah. people actually hold on to them. You don't throw it away when you're done with it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like every once in a while I'll meet people who say I have every single issue of off grid since number one. And it's like on my shelf as the, <laughs> if something awesome. horrible happens, I have this reference library and all Heck your issues yeah. in the magazine are my reference library. And that's like the best feeling. Cause it's like our content has lived on it. It isn't just like for a couple of months when it's published, people right. are still going back to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And it's, it's something that's so nice. You, you know, it looks so nice too. You could just frame the thing and put it on the wall. It's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that being said, you know, with, with off gridding and overlanding, um, you know, what kind of subject matters are you guys covering, um, you know, in the next couple months, as far as, you know, what, what are you focusing on for the next releases? Yeah. So, um, we kind of, try to stay pretty flexible as far as like what our next issue is going to be. Um, some uh, companies in this industry have this like editorial calendar and it's set in stone. And it's like, I know exactly what I'm going to do in like first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter of next year. Right. We're not like that. Uh, they got the dry erase board up there and everything's written out. <laughs> right. And, and I think that's important for flexibility. It's a little bit more stressful than having everything planned out and set in stone ahead of time. Cause you kind of have to, uh, to do things as they come up. But uh it gives us flexibility to listen to like, okay, what's happening in the world right now? Uh, and how can we kind of 
tailor our content to cater to that because if you plan everything in advance, you know, the, the world's constantly changing. Look at uh, COVID and what happened with that. You know, if yeah. we had been planned a year out, we wouldn't have been able to, to react to that and say like, hey, let's create some content that relates to how this is affecting people. Yeah. Did you guys see a huge influx of subscribers during that, that period of time? We did. Yeah. So that was uh, subscribers and then also web traffic because a lot of people were stuck at home and wanted to kind of find more information or do some reading. And so they were on the website reading content. But um, I think the whole COVID thing was a big eye opener to a lot of people that mm -hmm. like, Hey, maybe this emergency preparedness thing and self-sufficient lifestyle thing is not just like a hobby for weird people who live yeah. in their basement. Maybe this isn't like, so crazy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's a big thing that I'm, I'm like a, a crusader for emergency preparedness as a practical thing. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, uh, a lot of people have this this concept of like the prepper, the doomsday prepper, and that TV show kind of ruined things yeah. for us. Where where <laughs> it, it paints people as this like reactionary, scared uh, mindset where they're they're afraid of some catastrophic thing happening in their life. Whereas what it really should be is you know every time you get in your vehicle, you put on the seatbelt. You're not putting on the seatbelt because you're wanting to get into a car crash or because yeah. you're scared of a car crash. You're doing that as a proactive measure of like, just in case this this fringe thing happens to me today, I'll be ready for that. Right. Every time you put, you know, extra water in your truck, every time you you fill up before you get down below that quarter tank uh, marker, you're, you're preparing for the unexpected. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I view everything that we do as a publication is like, we should be enabling people for realistic, uh, bad things that might happen to them, whether that's breakdown on the side of a trail, whether that's, uh, you know, there's, uh, another COVID type event that you get stuck in your home. Maybe you need a little bit of extra stockpile of food and medical supplies, things like that. Uh, if you're at the, the shooting range and somebody gets injured, you know, what do you do in that situation? Mm. So it's, it's all about just general life skills. And then also, you know, the gear that goes along to support that. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm also a big believer that skills and gear have to go hand in hand, right? A lot of the time people see uh, the publication like ours and they're like, oh, okay, so it's just a buyer's guide for like all the cool stuff that I should buy, right? which is great. You know, it's important to have good quality gear, but you also need to know how to use it. Having a giant toolbox is pointless if you don't know how to use those tools. And so yeah. we always want to have that go hand in hand skills and gear. Yeah, no, that being said, and, and just kind of the climate of everything right now, um, how important do you think it is, especially now, you know, compared to just, you know, say six months ago for people to really start thinking about preparing for, you know, some kind of disaster, maybe preparing for God. I mean, all, all of us know we're <laughs> on the verge of World War Three, it seems like. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I know with with my family, you know, we we have uh, several months of, of supplies and food and things already set out. We've got a, a little bug out uh, ranch out in the middle of, you know, BFE, uh, about mm -hmm. two hours east of here. And nice. um, uh, we have 40 acres out there and we're building a homestead and we've got, That's you know, awesome. some stuff out there ready to go. And um, but what like, you know, say, um, you know, somebody who's not, you know, maybe like us who, you know, might not be in a rural area, but maybe in mm -hmm. a city area, um, you know, what would you recommend people do? Or do you think, uh, you know, this is that kind of like, you know, DEFCON 5 or, you know, is this kind of like, ah, this is a lot of just crazy narrative, you know, being pushed out by the news and stuff like, don't freak out. You know, at what point do you think that we're at right now? Or what, what would you recommend people do that, that are kind of on the fence, I guess? 
Yeah, so that's that's a, a good question. Um, I think that it comes down to it's better to be prepared for something that doesn't happen as opposed to just saying like, oh, that's unlikely, right? However, there is sort of a um, continuum to that. You know, you can look at the world today and say like, is there a possibility that we could have some kind of nuclear war and then like nuclear winter? Sure, you know, that's a possibility. Can I prepare for that on an individual level to a certain extent? But you're also not going to be able to build a radiation-proof bunker under your house, most likely, especially <laughs> if you live in suburbia and all of this and have right. this this perfect scenario to to deal with that exact situation. Right. So I I tend to people tell people to look less at like I want to prepare for this one specific thing, nuclear winter, or you know like a, a specific natural disaster, whatever it may be, earthquake and just or try whatever. To, try yeah. to make yourself well-rounded, right? <clears throat> so yeah. Um, to answer your question, as far as what most people in like a city or you know a lot of the stuff that we do tends to be more towards that urban side of things because realistically, a lot of people do live in cities. A lot of people do live in suburbs as opposed to um, just writing content for people who do have the homesteads, which is, that's that's important, but that's also a subset of the population. So we want everybody to be more prepared. And I look at it and say, uh, you know, having a little bit extra food set aside, uh, you know, looking at like what happened with COVID, people were freaking out over toilet paper of all yeah. things, right? <laughs> because they didn't, that? That was even nuts. Think, <laughs> they didn't even think like, hey, maybe I should have an extra container of this just in my cupboard right right so right. it's all the little things uh it, you know people tend to look at emergency preparedness as like i need you know five thousand rounds of ammo and i need a gas mask and all these things those are okay you know maybe you do need that but do you also need like basic medications do you need toilet paper do you need some canned food to sustain yourself it's it's a lot of the less exciting things that most people tend to overlook Mm, and that's so, a good point. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, that's a really good point. Actually, you, you, you tend to kind of have tunnel vision on certain things that, you know, you're hearing from your friends or your neighbors or you're seeing on, you know, the news and you're not yeah. really thinking about the important stuff. Like, absolutely. And that, that was absolutely insane seeing people fighting over toilet plate paper and paper yep. towels and just stuff. Yep. That's just absolutely ridiculous, you know? Um, and, uh, I, I could definitely see that happening again. You know, it's, you think about, just how easy it would be, um, you know, especially from our perspective, you know, the experience that we have, you know, you being, you know, and you know, that, that side of the industry and what you guys do on a daily basis. And also, you know, from my experience in, you know, overlanding, but, but mainly in the fire service and, and, you know, yeah. what we see in the, in that industry and gosh, how, how scary it is to think, you know, that, that it's so easy for us to, take things for granted every day. And all it would take is a, a loss of power, yeah. a loss of, you know, as crazy as is a loss of internet. Um, you know, super simple things would just send people into a frenzy, you know? And yeah. uh, I mean, look what just happened in, in LA. I don't know if you heard about the 10 freeway getting burned up underneath, you know, yeah, and, and all it was is just that heat impingement on that concrete and started, you know, creating spalling and, you know, um, the, uh, the, the um, structure of that, that, that uh, freeway to, to, yeah. you know, crumble and to become unstable. And now, you know, there's a major, major thoroughfare through the city of Los Angeles that's just done, you know, and they have right. no ETA on when it's going to be re repaired. And it's like, you know, it's something as simple as that. I mean, think about, you know, right now something happened in LA, like an earthquake or some crazy, you know, um, terrorist attack or whatever, right. Just how 
nuts it would be trying to get people out of that city. Um, and, uh, you know, those are the things that I think about, you know, like how prepared am I to deal with that? You know, how am I going to get my family out of here? How am I going to survive when everybody's, you know, getting crazy and it's almost like that movie purge or that show or whatever, you know, where right, people are right. just like doing whatever they want to do for a day. Cause it's just all, everything hit the fan. And you know, how are you going to defend yourself? You know, not only with, you know, uh, you know, what type of firearms and ammo, you know, and protection do you have for your family, but also long-term, um, you know, like you said, if, if something like that happens, you could be in the middle of a sickness and be, you know, just uh, on your, you know, feeling like you want to die, you know, with a flu right. or something and having those things available to you because you can't go to the doctor or can't go to the emergency room, uh, to, to try and, uh, you know, mitigate that, that problem is super important. Yeah. So yeah, thank that, you for, for uh, the insight on that. Of course, that's that's also something that you touched on. That's a, a good point is thinking through those problems before they happen. So yeah. that's uh, that's a huge, huge thing that a lot of people don't even consider, you know, an emergency happening until it's already upon them. Yeah. And then that leads to this panicked mindset. Um, there's there's a psychological phenomenon called normalcy bias, which is essentially our natural tendency to believe that because things have been okay in the past or, or whatever pattern things have uh, played out in the past, that's going to be the pattern in the future. Mm -hmm. And that causes us to not consider these, these out outlier events, uh, whatever that may be, you know, like if you've commuted on the 10 freeway for years and everything has been fine and then all of a sudden it's on fire and you can't take that route, (laughs) your brain is like, I never thought that could happen because it's never happened in the past. Yeah. So we have to, to kind of overcome that, be conscious of that effect and think like, okay, maybe this is an unlikely scenario, but I should, you know, play this out in my head at the very least. Because once you've done that, you're going to be so much more ready and more comfortable if something bad does happen. Yeah, uh, we, we have a column in the magazine called What If that's all about these hypothetical scenarios, whether it's a, um, a hurricane happening, whether it's you're, you're traveling abroad and there's like a plane hijacking or something like that. We've gone through all these scenarios. Every single issue, we have a new one. And it's basically like this choose your own adventure where we... Uh, we reach out to experts in the industry. We did one a uh, couple of issues ago on like overlanding. What if you're you're in a vehicle and the trail that you're on, uh, there's like a massive rainstorm and it floods and you're cut off and you can't get back. You don't know how deep the water is. How would you approach this situation? Oh, yeah, I think I, I think I read that. Yeah. yeah and so that. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of our way of of walking people through these hypothetical situations and helping them mentally prepare themselves, if nothing else for these, uh, dangerous situations. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. Um, you know, there's been plenty of times just even without emergencies or, you know, in a, a natural disaster situation that you come across some of those things. And, um, I, I think, uh, if I remember right in the article, you guys are talking about, you know, measuring the water and make it like, kind of like sizing up the water and, you know, yep. and, and before you start, you know, just trucking through stuff, you know, people get kind of that, that, uh, that tunnel vision, or they think, Hey, you know, I've got this, this truck will do anything I ask it to right. do, or you know, they don't know the capabilities or they think, Oh, their vehicle's not going to flood. Yep. Um, but it's super important, um, to size those things up. And like you said before, which, uh, you know, which I, I really appreciated that, you know, you really have to plan and kind of, um, execute the plan with calmness and, uh, you know, try and keep a level head because, uh, yeah. you know, if you don't, everything's going to go to crap, you know, like they, they say in the, the fire service, one of our, our, one of our standing orders for, for wildland fires is think clearly and act decisively. 
Hmm. And like it's, that. uh, it's so important to do that in those situations because, um, you know, it's super easy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm human, you're human, you know, everybody has those, those stresses and, uh, the, uh, tendency to start spinning up, you know, and you start getting that scramble brain and right. you're not thinking clearly and, you know, and you're not making good decisions. And, um, it's super important. You know, one of the things that, that I always tell my guys when we're going on different calls and this can, you know, totally relate to, you know, this side of things too, with, you know, natural disasters and situations you come across like this is that you're not going to approach anything any differently than you approach any other call, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, structure fire with people hanging out the windows is, is no different than, um, you know, uh, going to a traffic collision where you have someone trapped or going to a medical aid where someone's having chest pain and they're about to have a heart attack. Yep. Um, you know, it's the same type of high stress, uh, critical incident. Um, but there's just different, different check boxes, right? right. Um, so you have to kind of keep your mind calm and think that way, because if you don't, then you're going to get all ramped up and you're not going to be thinking, you're not going to be able to mitigate the issue or the problem or rescue Absolutely. somebody or rescue yourself, uh, when need be. And it's, uh, it's something that it took me a long time to, 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 uh, I guess mature into, uh, not only as a, as a man, but as a firefighter too, over the years, um, to, you know, be able to calm yourself down. Cause we're all human, you know, and everybody yep. has the same exact brain. Everybody has the same exact, you know, uh, um, fight or flight kind of, you know, um, instincts and all this stuff that comes into play and all these different stressors from life and stuff. And so being able to calm yourself down and really approach that situation in the right way is so important. And you got to be that person for your family too, to calm everybody yep. down for sure. Like, Hey, look, this is just a, a problem, uh, you know, uh, a puzzle that we just got to put together and we got to figure out how we're yep. going to approach it and just make, make it happen. So, um, yeah, it's awesome, man. So that being said, and talking about, you know, trying to get out of Dodge, maybe you're, you're, you're not staying at home, um, mm -hmm. but you want to go to say a bug out location or, or, you know, get away from the city. It's <laughs> what I call them <laughs> and get kind of away from everybody. Um, based on overlanding and, you know, uh, off gridding and survival and all that stuff, what would you recommend as far as like, what would be your, one of your favorite overlanding rigs? Like what would be an ideal mm -hmm. rig and maybe just some basic ideal setups that you would bring with you on something like that? Yeah. So, um, uh, that's also a good question. So I, I think that, uh, first off is look at the the vehicle options that you have available to you don't necessarily get so caught up in modding you know as, as a yeah. car guy and i, I know you're the so same, hard to like, do it's so easy for us to see a car and go like oh i already have this mental list of 15 things that i want to yeah. do to it but i think that causes a lot of people to overlook the capabilities of a lot of these stock vehicles today like some of these vehicles uh, i know with my forerunner uh the the capabilities right out of the box are much higher than I think a lot of drivers capabilities, right? You know, if you know what you're doing, you know, the lines to take and you know, uh, the, the limitations of your vehicle, you can do quite a bit with a stock vehicle. So I, it's not as much as I want to say, like, let's mod everything. <laughs> like don't necessarily, uh, put all your eggs in that basket, yeah. but, uh, good recommendation for sure. Like, like you, um, you know, I'm a Toyota guy. I've, I've always, uh, appreciated Toyota's. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, the, the Hilux has become legendary for its oh, dependability yeah. Yeah. and, and that's the, the, probably one of the number one things that I look at with the vehicle is like, how long is this going to last? How reliable is this going to be? Is this going to be something that I can drive for three or 400,000 miles? Uh, because you're getting so much value for your money at that point. So no matter what you choose, like look at longevity, look at reliability and durability, uh, how easy it is to work on. 
uh, whether you're going to have like some weird proprietary parts or something like that, uh, consider that. Um, and that is a reason why when I was looking at, uh, getting a new truck, I looked at the, the, um, 2022 forerunner. Uh, a lot of people look at that model and go like, Oh, this is a, a old platform with an old engine. Uh, it doesn't have a turbo. It doesn't have, you know, the fuel efficient four cylinder, uh, it doesn't have this high tech all wheel drive system or anything like that. I look at that as as a positive, you Me know, too. because Me you're too. using a tested platform. Old reliable. Every, <laughs> exactly. Every single problem that that platform is going to have has already been solved by people. You have this huge database of online content about like, how do I, uh, you know, repair or upgrade this specific thing? Yeah. Um, so I, I see that as a big advantage and it makes me tend to shy away from brand new high tech vehicles. Me too. I'm, I'm also not going to go back and say like, I want like a, you know, 1970 K five blazer with a, a carburetor necessarily. Uh, I know guys who are like that, who are, who, who look at the old vehicles and they're like, I want something that's like EMP proof and has yeah. no computers <laughs> in it at all. I appreciate that. But that's also, you have to look at that as you're going to have a lot of extra work to maintain that. Cause it is an older vehicle finding yeah. parts may be harder. So I think there's a, a, a middle ground, uh, as far as choosing a vehicle, but yeah, I've, I've been really, really happy with my, uh, forerunner so far. Yeah. I I'm totally on board with that, man. A hundred percent agree. Uh, you know, we've got a 2013 forerunner SR five, four by four. And, uh, that thing has been absolutely bulletproof. I have not done a thing to that truck in yep. over 200,000 miles, other than just the hundred thousand mile stuff, you know, the, um, the, timing, you know, timing belt and serpentine, the, the, uh, water pump, all the, just the normal stuff, spark plugs and stuff, right. normal maintenance stuff. Um, I've never been stuck on the side of the road, not once with any Toyota I've ever owned. I've had two Tundras, a Tacoma, three forerunners and an FJ cruiser. And wow. not one time have I ever been on a trail broke down. Have I ever been, you know, with my hood up and I'm not, you know, digging on Jeeps or Fords or any, you know, any of those other, those vehicles, but sure. I'm with you and you know I was raised Toyota and I'll always stay Toyota because I've seen the reliability and yeah. I'll tell you what you get what you pay for they're a little bit more expensive um of course nowadays the Raptors and Jeeps are trying to you know they're kind of coming up there too yeah. um but you're going to pay you know a little bit more maybe for a Toyota product um yep. I always buy used cuz the new prices are outrageous so I buy sure. buy them with 30 40,000 miles on them okay um but uh you can get them super cheap that way comparative to, you know, a new, you know, off the lot vehicle. And yeah. man, I bought my foreigner with 40, 40,000 miles on it, totally stock outfitted it the way I wanted to. And like I said, I've got over 200,000. My last awesome. foreigner I sold with 372,000 miles on it. And the guy's nice. still driving it 10 years later. Um, and, uh, cool. there's something to be said about that. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, the proof's in the pudding, man. Like it's yeah. right there in front of your face. And, you know, and some people don't like the look of Toyota, you know, like I don't like the look of Jeeps, you know, just kind of, sure. you know, your whatever, you know, floats your boat. But right. when, when you're really looking to have a vehicle that's reliable, that's going to turn on every time and it's right. going to climb like a goat when you need it to, it's going to get you through little washes and little creeks to bypass freeways that are shut down or whatever, which I've done plenty of times with my foreigner to get around yep. traffic. Um, which you got to be careful. Of. I'm not condoning that. You got to really know where you're at and really, really uh, know what you're doing. So you don't get yourself into a, a, a worse situation doing yeah. that kind of thing. But 
if there's a vehicle that I would would uh, select for that type of situation, 100% Forerunner or an FJ yep. Cruiser all the way. And the, and the only thing about the FJ that I don't like is, is uh, which I've said on this podcast a million times, I don't like the way they look stock, but when you get them all done sure. up, they look great. But the most important thing, they'll climb like a goat, not very practical for families, but the Forerunner is. And the Forerunner is just an absolutely amazingly capable vehicle. Agreed. Um, and, uh, you know, just for with basic stuff, you know, basic yeah. recovery, uh, basic, you know, supplies, um, basic food and water um, to, to take with you, basic lighting. Um, yep. You know, when I, I travel across the desert to work to California, four hours each way, um, twice a week, and I have a little, you know, bug out kit where I've got everything I need. If I'm going to be out in the middle of the freaking, you know, desert at three o'clock in the morning and I've got yeah. a flat tire or something, uh, you know, a hose that busted or whatever. Um, I, I have a kit that, that I use that, you know, I take with me and, um, it has all those, those little things in them. And um, if that at a minimum is all you have, you know, it's so important to just have those, those just simple survival things to, uh, uh, you know, to get yourself by, because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, modern technologies and modern highways and modern blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you what, man, when you're out in the middle of BFE at, two in the morning, three in the morning, and there is yeah. nobody out on, you know, a Tuesday morning of that hour, you're by yourself for a long time. And there's not a lot of people nowadays because of, you know, just the loss of, of, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. There's just no care for the law. There's no care yeah. for, for anybody. You know, it's just all about me, me, me. And there's not a lot of people that'll stop anymore because they're worried True. about, you know, the dangers involved in that. And so you could be out on your own, you know, look like a normal person, but you know, with everything going on right now and how crazy it is, you don't know who yeah. that person is and you might be on your own for a while. So. And um, that's the other thing we've important. become so uh, reliant on technology now, you know, we've, yeah. we've been lulled into comfort by this. Like we have cell service and internet everywhere. Yeah. If I have a problem. I can just ask Google on my phone or ask Siri or whatever, <laughs> yep. you know, if, if I'm lost, I can just go into my GPS and it'll take me where I need to go which is great. I'm not saying we should abandon those conveniences, but we also need to be prepared for if those conveniences stop working for any reason, a lot of people freak out. Uh, and so that's why I'm big on having redundancy. So I put a uh, uh, Midland uh, GMRS hardwired radio into the forerunner. That was one of the Heck first yeah. things that I did because I end up driving out just for like practical reasons. I end up driving out into the desert to do like photo shoots or go to a shooting range or something like that. Um, and I'm maybe you know, an hour from the nearest like town or city uh, out here in uh, Arizona. And maybe there's no cell service. Often there isn't. And so it's good to have some kind of backup plan yeah. in case you get stranded or something like that. Yeah. What's been awesome about Midland too. And we, we, uh, we've been working with Midland. We've been one of their ambassadors for, I think we've been contracted with them for three or four years now and uh, such an amazing group of people to work with. Yeah. Um, but one thing we did recently with Midland is we installed two repeaters across this entire valley from one oh, wow. end to the other. And uh, now we've got coverage from the Colorado River where uh, it crosses the 40 uh, on the south end of the valley here all the way to Laughlin um, okay. and everything in between. So um, you can be up at Lake Mojave on the north end um, and touch touch somebody down here, you know, across the river from us in Needles, uh, California, yeah. um, because of the, the, um, the mesh, you know, type of, um, of signal that we've created with the two repeaters. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's super important and, and they're on backup battery systems too. So if the power goes out, yeah. um, we've got a couple hours of, you know, backup, um, communication and, you know, that might be all we have, you know, and, right. um, 
it's uh it's pretty scary to think you know all of us freak out when you you know oh did did your verizon signal go down today right. you know i couldn't get i couldn't get out today or everybody freaks out when you don't have cell service because that's all everybody uses now there's no yep. more landlines hardly ever you know i think the people that sell landlines are like my grandmother you know and uh people that have to have them for work or whatever but um you know cell service goes down internet goes down power, yep. anything, man, it's people start freaking the heck out because like you yep. said, people have gotten so used to, um, it's so conditioned to rely on these things that, right. uh, we don't think about how things were when you and I were kids, you know, and right, right. didn't have those things, you know, we had Thomas brothers guides, you know, we had, yeah. uh, Quest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, now it's so different. You know, I, I don't, I don't even know that most people would even know how to use a Thomas guide if they, you know, if they yeah. were given one or how to, you know, navigate knowing what's North and what right. this is and what that is, because it's not taught. I mean, they used to teach that, that stuff to me in school when I was a kid, yeah. I remember, you know, mapping. And I remember in, 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 um, uh, in junior high, I was homeschooled for uh, most of my school years young, but okay. until I became homeschooled, I remember getting assignments that were like, Hey, fill out these things in the map and you know, what's this and what's that, you know, and you have these like fill in the blank kind of things. And that's cool. Um, you know, they, they don't do stuff like that anymore, you know, and uh, yeah. it's, it's such a disservice to, you know, our kids, our children, this generation. That's why I think it's so important. And that's why we do so much of uh, this, you know, overlanding and camping and, you know, yep. whatever you want to call it and trail running and getting the kids out there to give them something tangible to learn, like right. feel this, see this, smell this, you know, hear it. Um, instead of being, you know, like the zombie apocalypse, looking at your phone all day long and relying right. on this, this electronic device that could die at any moment. Um, and actually be able to read the land, know what's dangerous out there, what's going to kill you, what's not. Um, and, and how to survive, you know, and in yep. certain basic ways, it's, uh, it's so important. That's, uh, that's also one of the reasons I've really come to love the overland, uh, industry, the overland market and the overland like crowd of people. It's, it's such a good way to get out and like field test your skills and your gear. So if yeah. you're, if you're coming from this, from like a traditional, I'm a, you know, wanting to get into emergency preparedness, I can't think of a better way to get into that mindset and test your gear than to load everything into your truck and go drive out and do something. Yeah. Right. It's, it's fun for the family. Like you can get your kids involved in it, take your dogs, take your wife, all that stuff, and, and then get out there and try things. And, yeah. and you'll find out very quickly, you know, like I was talking about with the radio, I, the reason I put that radio in was because I went on a camping trip with uh, some other friends car camping and we got up into the mountains. We didn't have cell phone signal. And so we had to like stop and talk to each other and then get back on the road. And I was like, this would be so much easier if I just had a handheld radio I could give them and then use the radio in my truck and we don't have to stop all of a sudden. So yeah. you learn through experience what you need and what you don't. That goes back to the what I was talking about with mods. I'm a big believer that like, don't just throw stuff at, at your truck because you think it's cool. Uh, look at like what the purpose is and what your need is for it. And then that'll define what you should, should modify. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, there's something to be said about that, man, at the radios and it, with the Midland product too, the, the GMRS frequency that they're using for a lot of their product, um, is so much more reliable than, you know, I've used CB for years. I was a total CB like propeller head when I was a kid and yeah. been into scanner radios my whole life and all that. And, uh, um, I think just technology as a whole, I've just always been into it. 
Um, and um, it's amazing the distance that you can get with GMRS and right. the clarity and the reliability with that signal than you can with CB. And I mean, there's, I had a, a CB base station back in the day that had like a thousand watt kicker on it. And I had upper and lower mm. sideband frequencies, which you could talk to people in Alaska through that, but yeah. it's a completely different thing. Um, and takes way more power, you know, where the, the Midland right. uh, radio that I'm using right now, even our little 15 watt handhelds are great. Um, but I, I use the MXT 500, um, and the 575s. Um, I honestly like the 500 better because the con- the connection to the radio isn't the RJ 45 and the RJ 45 okay. I've seen, I, I've, it's had a tendency to, uh, wear out because of off-roading and bouncing up and down in that mm. little fitting. And so the, the 500 screws on, it's like an actual pin and screws into it. Okay. So it's been a lot better for me, but both those radios are great, but they're 50 Watts, which is the highest, yeah. uh, highest wattage that you can have as a civilian. Um, and they're just absolutely awesome and hitting, you know, people, you know, 40 minutes north of here in Laughlin with the repeaters and stuff and you're out off road, or if you had an emergency and you couldn't get, you know, couldn't get out with your cell signal, like you said, yep. you have that ability. There's always, always somebody monitoring some channel. Um, right. and, uh, you know, out here you, with the heat and everything in the summertime, which you're, you're totally aware of where you guys live yeah. too. It can get scary if you're out there and you're not thinking or, you you know, you get stuck out there in the middle of summer or, you know, even at night, it's super freaking hot still in the right. summertime. And um, there's been a lot of people lost out here, you know, um, older people that have gone out on their side by sides and been lost. And to have that that lifeline is so important. And Midland just does a great job of that. For sure. And I, I think it's also a lot more accessible than ham. You know, ham is one of those things. That's a great skill to have. It's good to pursue that license and everything. But like like you were saying, you can talk to people in Alaska, but if you're experiencing a problem where you are, Alaska isn't going to be able to help you. Necessarily. Right. <laughs> and so GMRS is great because like you can reach people who are very local to you and might actually be able to help you. Yep. And, and you know, the licensing is a lot more accessible as well. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I, what I like about the, the Midland product too, is that, you know, for like a, just a normal, you know, lay person that you're not having to program frequencies in like or with ham, a lot of ham radios, like the Baofeng, even, you know, those yep. VHFs and stuff, you gotta, you gotta know what you're doing to, you know, put the, the tone uh, frequencies in and, you know, yeah. the, the actual frequency itself. Um, and, uh, with the GMS product that Midland puts out, a lot of them, uh, if not all of them are preset, so you don't have to worry right. about programming them. Um, and it's just, you know, Hey, you know, if, if we've got a person who's on ham and they're like, Hey, I want to, I want to talk to you on GMRS, then I just look up, you know, in the Midland, uh, manuals at the, at, at the end of the manual, it shows you the frequencies for each channel, what the channel number is. And you can be like, Hey, yep. here's the RXTX, which is the receive and transmit frequencies for this channel that we're on channel 21 GMRS. And you can talk to us on this privacy tone, you know, and yep. they can plug that in. Um, but it's just cool, you know, for someone who's not really, uh, educated on how to do that properly to just have the presets and, uh, and sure. the customer support too, like just uh, is incredible. And they're such a great company. So, uh, I, I'm definitely plugging Midland because I work with them, <laughs> but I highly recommend you guys get out there. Our listeners get out there and, and get a Midland, uh, set up for you and, uh, look out. We do a lot of Midland giveaways, uh, each, each, uh, each month. And, um, you guys uh, definitely want to follow follow us and, uh, and stay abreast on that. So, um, that being said, um, have you had any experiences that kind of stick out, you know, in the past that have kind of put you in that situation, maybe even yeah. out, you know, training, like you said, it's super important to get out, test your winches, you know, train with the, the gear that you have so that, you know, which I've been caught with my pants down before with high, jif- yeah. high lift jacks, 
going out there and had a problem and my high lift jack wouldn't work. And then I figured out later on when I got home that it was because I wasn't lubing it properly on a regular basis right. and it wasn't, you know, unlocking with a little detent pin. And so like, what, have you had any experiences like that where you've been out yeah. and just been like, oh man, you know, I, I wish I would have trained more with this or this just kind of mm -hmm. happened out of nowhere. And you know, how did you, how did you uh, mitigate that problem? Yeah. So the one that comes to mind is right when I got the forerunner, uh, totally bone stock minus the, I had done the Midland radio at that point in time. And I threw like an air compressor in the, in the back and a few other like tools and things like that. But other than that stock tires, stock suspension, everything, um, my, uh, my parents were coming in to, to visit from California and I thought like, okay, what can we do for like sightseeing, you know, drive around the desert or something like that. And I had always wanted to go up to, uh, Sedona and I hadn't really done that. So I, I thought like, oh, that'll be a cool day trip. We yeah. get up super early in the morning, load the dogs into the truck and take my parents and my wife drive up there. So we drove up to Sedona, had like a real nice brunch and stuff like that. And I, uh, before the trip had researched, like, are there some mild off-road trails around Sedona? Cause obviously with my parents there, I'm not going to want to go do like hardcore rock crawling, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially like in a broken arrow truck. or something. <laughs> exactly. And so I was like, okay, well, um, you know, uh, Schnebly Hill, yeah, uh, has has this reputation for being like a real chill, easy off-road trail. Love that trail. Uh, yeah, rated for like I think uh, what is it, the Trail Navigator or whatever it is, had it like at a two a out of ten or something. Yeah, right. And so I'm like, okay, stock truck. I have four wheel drive at least. I'll air down, and then we can go do that trail. Go up to the vista at the top and like see the valley and everything. Yeah. Um, my experience was that it was not a two out of ten, based <laughs> on like how I mean. The trail was really, really rocky, uh, yeah. and I think that's because there's been a lot of erosion lately. This was probably like a year, year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. um, there, there was a lot of erosion, and there's a lot of those guys in the pink jeeps and side by sides who are just tearing up and down that trail all day long. Yeah, and I think it has turned it from a two out of ten into a real bumpy, maybe like three or four out of ten. Yeah, it was totally doable. I wasn't worried about getting stuck or anything like that, but it was definitely like bashing suspension or bashing uh you know the exhaust on, uh, on a rock here and there having yep. to choose lines carefully and my parents yeah. are sitting in the back just like death gripping the door <laughs> handles like we're gonna die up here because they had like zero off-roading experience obviously right and uh and so they they were like thinking that we're up here gonna like die on this mountainside or something <laughs> oh no so that was sort of a reminder that, uh, you know, don't take for granted the easy trails because sometimes they can either be uncomfortable, uh, not be what you expected or be a little bit more challenging. So in that situation, if I had done that trail previously or had been up there with some other vehicle, you know, like two, two trucks is always better than one. Cause then you can solve any issues that you have up on the trail. Yeah. And I, I decided I was going to do it solo and all that. Um, and it, it was fine. Like it worked out in the end. It just took us a lot longer than expected because it was so bumpy. Um, we got up near the top and probably about uh, like a mile or so from the very top, there's a real narrow section. And there was a guy in a uh, like late model Chevy Silverado oh. that had blown his tire out. Like when I say blown his tire, I mean, it was ripped to shreds Oh uh, man. sitting in the middle of the trail. No. And, and on the left side, there's this like, you know, steep fall Sheer off. drop off. Yeah. Right? And on the right, there's like a pretty steep hill cliff. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, How are we going to get past this guy? Cause he was like almost smack dab in the middle and, uh, obviously couldn't move at all. 
So first thing I get out of the truck, go talk to him like, Hey man, are you okay? Do you need like me to call for help for you or anything? I've got a radio. Do you need some water? And he's just this old timer. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm good. Like I've got a, a recovery truck coming to pull me out of here later. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can just squeeze around me if you want. So I'm like, okay. So I literally folded the mirrors in and like one mile an hour, just barely like oh, it was maybe, uh, an inch or two of clearance on each side of the vehicle to get wow. through there. Wow. And of course that turned the situation with like my parents being already uncomfortable into like, we're definitely a couple more notches. Die up here. Yeah. <laughs> so afterwards they're like, never again. Like we should never do that. And That's I'm like, hilarious. Oh man, this is souring everybody on off-roading here. Dude. But, I, uh, I, I went up that trail, uh, pulling a Smitty built scout trailer oh, yeah. uh, behind me with full, fully loaded with the tent on it. And, um, yeah, I was pretty sketchy. I was thinking that on the way up that last section, like, man, yeah, Pray, you know, pray to God there's not someone coming down this because there is no way we're yep. going to make them around, you know, make it, make it around them, especially with the width of the trailer and the, you know, the tires stick out on the trail a little bit farther. Right. Um, yeah, that was, uh, I remember how bumpy and rocky that trail was. And this yeah. was a couple years ago too. Um, man, it was such a beautiful view from up top, but my it gosh, is. it was it a is. little, it was a little sketchy. And at the bottom, as we were coming up, one of those pink Jeeps stopped and he waved me down. He's like, are you going to, are you driving this all the way up? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, I don't know that you should do that. I'm like, ah, we'll be fine. He's like, yeah. uh, okay, well, good luck. And I was, you know, after now thinking of it, I'm like, that probably wasn't a good idea driving the trailer up that, but we were trying to mm -hmm. find a place to camp. We didn't know the right. area very much. And, and, uh, I'd seen this trail and I was like, yeah, hey, let's try and, you know, take this. It looks like an easy trail. We'll take it to the top of the rim and be good. Right. Right. And it ended up working out like that. But man, it was uh, afterwards, I was like, man, that was a lot more sketch in spots than I thought it was going to be. And yeah, um, there's that section where there's like where it gets right before it gets super narrow, I think. And there's like a kind of like a hill, like where it's kind of cut out of the hill or yes, like, the, you know, know it goes exactly like that. It's like this about. little cut. Yep. Yeah. And now it was freaking narrow through there, you know, and there was a there was a big boulder that had fallen off and it was on the trail. Right. It was like. I don't know, the size of half the size of a VW bug. It was a pretty good size rock. And we had to go around that. And I was like, man, this is, this is a lot more gnarly than I thought it was going to be up at the top. Yep. But yeah, you're yep. right. You never know. I mean, it's you know, a good, it's, uh, a good lesson in, uh, not trusting people on social media who are like, <laughs> Oh, it's totally an easy trail. <laughs> and, and of course they probably did it four or five years ago when it wasn't that bad. So, right. you know, you always have to, uh, go in expecting more than, than people say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dude, what about those trails we just hit in, uh, in Big Bear a couple of weeks ago? What did you think about those? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, made me wish that uh, I had like taken my own truck up there, honestly. But uh, there were a couple of sections where I was like, "Yeah, there's no way I would have done this in my own vehicle." Yeah, uh, yeah, White yeah, Mountain. That was, there. that was a ton of fun. Yeah, White Mountain is pretty crazy. Even the bypass on that section on uh, that section of Suicide Hill that goes straight yeah. up there that they were taking up. Uh, yeah, I actually was planning on taking my forerunner and then they're like, no, we want you to drive the Hellwig truck and the rigid yeah. truck. And I'm like, okay. Um, but after I, I saw what section of the trail they're going on, I'm like, okay, I'm fine with the <laughs> truck down here. Last yep. time I was yep. on that trail, I left parts of my truck behind. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a pretty crazy, but super fun area to, to wheel in up there. And Big Bear is just so beautiful. The views you know, is, from those, yeah. those ridge tops are just incredible. Um, but what did you think about the traction, uh, series that we, we went to together? That was a lot of fun, man. Um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, obviously getting to meet people, getting to sit down and like talk with other people in the industry and like, I'm, I'm kind of in the overland space, but I'm also in this, this bigger emergency preparedness space. 
Uh, and so getting to drill down more with like actual experts and overlanding uh, was really cool. Getting to to see a lot of the new products they had out there and stuff was was cool. Yeah, um, got to ride in the the Rivian, uh, which I had never done before, and uh, I'm actually pretty impressed by the capabilities of that thing. Like I know, was you, too, you, actually. I, I'm kind of like uh, as I described earlier, I'm very much a traditionalist when it comes to vehicles. So like electric trucks seem kind of you know it's a cool Trendy technology kind of but thing. i don't know if we're there yet yeah, as far I'm as same, like practicality feel the same way yeah uh but but riding in those things and seeing what they could do and seeing how well they handled those trails and how smooth that ride was i was actually really impressed by it yeah i i was outside uh i think we were second in line um and we got to the top of that first climb of that that uh, was at 3N08, I think it was, that we branched off on before White Mountain, before we stopped yep. for lunch. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember getting out and um, Casey and Cody and all those guys were spotting everybody coming up that first section. And I was standing there watching the Rivian come up that the SUV uh, yeah. model that they have. And I was like, dude, that that I did not expect this at all from mm -hmm. this vehicle. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wanted to drive that thing too. I didn't get a chance to, but uh I was super impressed with that. I, I'll be honest. I, I'm like you. I'm a traditionalist. I'm a Toyota guy. I'm a, you know, gas powered engine, you know, dude. And uh, I haven't bought in, you know, bought, that's not even a word. I haven't, I haven't bought into the whole EV thing, you know? Right. Right. Um, but after seeing that, man, I was like, I, I don't know, maybe we should look in, into this a little bit more, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know, things I thought about is okay what kind of armors underneath this thing for, you know, the lithium right. batteries and protection on, you know, this type of terrain. Um, because if you, you know, you've compromised one of those batteries, even vibration, thermal runaway, all the stuff with those lithium yeah. batteries um, kind of worries me a little bit. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, they've got to account for that stuff, you know, for mm -hmm. the, the off-roading side, but it'll be interesting to see where those things go. Yeah. Um, and the, um, the, the range anxiety thing would definitely be real for me yeah, if I owned that vehicle and was out there. Cause like, you know, ha worrying about where you need to charge next when you're in the city is one yeah. thing. Worrying about it when you're an hour from the nearest like gas station or anything. Yeah. That's like, I would be real concerned about <laughs> that. Having to toss a freaking generator in the back yeah. of that thing just yeah. as a backup. Yeah. It's funny you see these, uh, these like, I don't know. It's almost like a tow truck kind of service, you know, going out to these, these EVs that run out of battery, you know, yeah. on the freeways and stuff with, and all they have is a generator. They fire up and they plug this thing in and charge them back up and there they go. But yeah, uh, yeah the lithium battery thing is a, a little bit sketch, especially, uh, you know, from the perspective of what I do for a living, you know, thinking about, you know, thermal runaway and all, all the, the dangers involved and yep. the mix with water and what that does to, you know, um, lithium and, you know, magnesium and all the other, the other metals that are in vehicles nowadays and stuff. It's just crazy. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I was definitely same as you. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. But I uh, look forward to, I have a friend actually that works with Rivian now. Um, and, um, uh, I'll have to get with her on seeing if I can get into one of those things at some point. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that was a super fun, uh, event for me too. I've, I've talked to several people in the last couple of podcasts that were there too. And, um, everybody says the same thing. Just so, so cool to just get to know everybody and like that intimate setting that we had, you know, there was like 50 of us there. Um, yeah, I think they, 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 uh, limited it to 50 people and it was just really yeah. cool to, 
you know, sit around the campfire at night and talk shop and learn about new things and new people and, and uh, just everybody's background and learning from people in different types of industry, you know, that still kind of, you know, like with you, you know, that still were kind of like the, the overlanding community, but a different facet of it, you know, it's just exactly. it's really yep. cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, look forward to the next one next year. That'll be yeah, me too, man. Fun. Yeah. I heard some rumors that they might be doing it on the Rubicon trail up in Lake Ooh. Tahoe. So that might All be right. kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be really cool. What, what other events uh, do you plan on attending next year? If any? Yeah. So, um, the big one that we always go to, uh, sorry, my dogs are, uh, hearing somebody outside here. <laughs> it's all um, good. <laughs> uh, the big one that I go to is uh, shot show, uh, which is like the shooting, hunting, outdoor trade show. It's in Vegas. Oh yeah. It's I'll be like there. the, uh, yeah. yeah. Like the SEMA of the, the outdoor industry, yeah. so to speak. But, uh, that's, that's like our biggest event all year. So I'll Sweet. be there for a full week, uh, walking around having meetings and all that stuff. Um, and then, uh, we also do our own event series now, um, called CanCon. That's all like, uh, suppressed firearms. So it's, it's a, oh, wow. it's a range day specifically for, um, suppressed guns. Mm. And we'll, we'll have out, uh, a bunch of different vendors and they set up booths on the, the range and people can come and shoot a bunch of different stuff, um, try new guns, things like that. So that's something that we do twice a year now. I just got back from, uh, one of those in Georgia Oh, and, sweet. uh, yeah. Other than that, um, I, I travel a lot locally doing, um, classes and things like that, uh, trying to, uh, improve my own skill set. Uh, I, I don't ever want to be somebody who writes about stuff without, uh, you know, living it or, or, um, having that experience firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. It's super important. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I, I, uh, I train, uh, quite a bit with my firearms. I mean, I carry, uh, I carry a six hour, uh, three, six, five nice. every day. And then, um, I got a three twenty as well that I carry, uh, when we're out on the trail and stuff. But, um, nice. uh, yeah, I, I think it's important. You know, I, I train with my, uh, my sidearm and my, my, uh, rifle, you know, I have a AR 15 platform that I'm, that I, I have pretty well set up with an ACOG TA31 uh, with the RMR on top. And I nice. uh, absolutely love that platform. Just so accurate and just like shooting a laser out at, you know, 100 yep. yards. Yep. And um, uh, just actually put together a, uh, a Henry X model okay. um, with the uh, Midwest Industries uh, furniture and a, a custom um, muzzle brake. Okay. Uh, and, um, uh, Romeo five optic on top. And, uh, nice. it's pretty sweet. I love that thing. It's a Man, 40, I, I 45 love guns. They're yeah, so much fun. And, and so that's fun. like, goes back to like, that's, uh, you know, the, the truck gun. That's like the yeah. old school classic truck gun, throw that totally. under event seat or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I've got they're, that they're, one. They're in, cool. Yeah. I love it. I've got that one in 45 long Colt. And then I've got the golden boy in 357 38 special. And then nice. I've got a silver boy for my daughter in 22, 22 LR. And okay. Um, yeah. Super fun little guns. I love Henry's. Yeah. Um, but, uh, always wanted one. And last year I'm like, okay, I'm going to go buy one. And it turned into buying three. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Kind of like uh, truck parts. You're like, I'm just going to buy one thing. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to going to SHOT Show, man. I was there last yeah. year. Um, a buddy of mine owns AccuTac um, okay. bipods and yeah. uh, um, we'll be out there with them again this year, probably nice. um, to help him with that. And um, yeah, super I fun. So I'll, I'll definitely, yeah, I'll definitely come look for you. Maybe we can have lunch or, or hang out for a little bit. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be out there the whole week, but for sure a couple of days. So um, we'll definitely uh, have to hang out. So yeah, man. Yeah. But dude, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and talking a little bit about what you do and, and the magazine and what you guys are involved in. And 
um, look forward to, to seeing you again and maybe we can hang out and, and do some stuff at some events, maybe do some shooting together or, uh, yeah. um, I got some stuff kind of in the works for next year that I'll, I'll tell you about after the podcast cause I don't want to let nice. it out. Um, it but, uh, hush, hush. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, maybe there's some stuff we can do together and, uh, it was so great meeting you and getting to know you a little bit at the traction summit, um, to the overland summit. And, uh, I, I just so appreciate your time today and being with us on the podcast and, um, how can people find out about you guys Where can they find the publication and, and where you guys are, you know, online and stuff. Yeah, so uh, our website is uh, offgridweb.com. So most of our articles are published there. Um, We've got uh, Instagram that's uh, pretty active, which is at Recoil Offgrid Magazine. Uh, And then if you want to follow some of the stuff that I'm working on personally, my Instagram is at pmccarthy10 uh, with two Cs. Uh, And so I've got like, uh, you can see my my Forerunner build on there. I post about it occasionally. I've got another post coming up here about... uh, I did a uh, Blue Sea Systems uh, 12-volt outlet uh, DIY install and all the wiring and everything for that. So that's going yeah. pretty soon here. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me. That's uh, Recoil Off-Grid. And uh, I really appreciate you having me, man. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's been super cool to meet you. And uh, hopefully we can get out and do some trails one of these days with the, uh, the Forerunners. Yeah, I would love to, man. I'd love to, uh, you know, get get to know you more and, and, uh, and see what you, what you're doing with the runner. And, um, I love, uh, people that have other forerunners and just kind of comparing, you know, talking shop and, you know, yep. Hey, how's yep. this work for you? And, um, I, I saw uh, some of the build stuff that you did on your runner and, um, and kind of what, you know, the, the future is for, for that. And super stoked to, to see what you do with that thing, man. It's looking really, really cool for those of you guys Thanks, that, that, uh, you know, want to check out forerunners and, and, uh, see badass builds, definitely go see Patrick's, uh, build that he's got going on. It's freaking sweet. So Thanks, uh, I, I love that color too, that white with the, the, the you know, the, uh, black accents and things, man. I, I love it. Thanks man. Yeah. I went with the, uh, the machined wheels. Cause like it, being an old school Toyota guy, like that's what I always saw as a kid. My dad had a, a, a T100 back in the day with white paint and the machine or like, you know, natural finished wheels. Yeah. And I always associated that with like, that's the Toyota look. So yeah, those look good, man. The really good you. looking, looking wheels on that thing. Yeah. I want to, uh, I have mine murdered out, but they're just freaking, um, a plasti dipped <laughs> stock, <laughs> stock rims, but I'm looking at getting, uh, some, some, some different ones actually with a yeah. better offset for some bigger tires. So we'll see where that nice. goes. But, but anyways, man, I, I hope you have a great rest of the week and happy Thanksgiving. I know that's coming you up. Too. Uh, yeah. This probably won't air until uh, the end of the year or January. we got a bunch of other ones uh, stacked up before you, but uh, that's this week when we're re- doing the recording. So uh, enjoy that with your family and, and have Thanks. a great rest of the day. And uh, for all of our listeners out there, you guys take care. And uh, we're looking forward to doing uh, more podcasts. It's just been a great, great thing for us. And uh, thank you once again. I know I say that every podcast, but we really, really do appreciate you guys and, and everything you do for us and, uh, and continuing to give us a reason to do this. So uh, you guys take care and we are out of here. <laughs>